Podcast Network. Yeah. Triple digits. We were trying to think of a way to make uh, the 100th episode feel special. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of theories. Yeah. A lot of a lot of things kicked around. Yeah. Maybe it would be fun to do the first episode again. Yeah. That was resoundly vetoed by like literally everyone. <laughs> I was on board. Beerman didn't like it. Beerman did not like it. <laughs> um, then I thought maybe it would be fun to do the, the, the same, you know, movie from the first episode with Tina, Beerman's rival. <laughs> um, and I was like, all right, but I was just like, eh, it doesn't, I don't know, it lacks panache, I don't know. I suggested the Snyder Cut. We talked about maybe doing the Snyder Cut, but that's four hours long, it's a lot to talk about. Yeah. And besides just doing the Snyder Cut, like, you know, I was like, oh, well, since it's four hours, maybe we just get, like four of our favorite guests random people you know to and, pop in yeah and have be like just watch part of it i don't give a shit what just like let me know oh i watched part of the third hour i've watched the aquaman part where he trims his pubes or whatever happens in that movie <laughs> and get your opinion he, on what he you explains what the third shell is for from demolition man right and <laughs> i i don't know so we had all these ideas and none of it was like a clear winner and then i was like you know well you know what that we were wanted to do and then it got pushed back was we wanted to finish the final Boz Lerman film we yeah. we did uh, back welcome to Vosterpiece theater that's pretty good thank you this is yeah this is the love and lerman continues yes yeah because back episode 74 through 78 so that's five episodes we did all of Boz lerman's films in an impromptu marathon and out of order <laughs> only slightly <laughs> yeah we started with his big break which was romeo and juliet and then yeah. we did his other films in chronological release order and then ended our last episode uh, in that run is his first movie strictly ballroom um which was interesting it was an interesting way to do it and yeah. i think we might intentionally do things like that in the future yes because it was interesting to see how much of his dna was in the early film how much of what has become what i think of as the Boslerman lerman style is present yeah in that and it was interesting and so but then he you know even in the that series we talked about how that he was about to release another movie and it was about elvis and we were going to see it and we were going to cover it and we have seen it we've seen it and now we're, now covering, we're covering it because we went something big for 100. Yeah. And what's very bigger? few things are bigger than Elvis That's Presley. Right. Yeah. I have a bust of Elvis in oh. my room right now. I also have a statue of the skeleton Elvis. We've also been involved in uh, Dracula Elvis. Yeah, we also project. know Dracula Elvis. Yeah. I may or may not be the songwriter for Dracula Elvis. I may or may not have complicated feelings about that. Yes. Well. I may or may not have a big glass of wine. Yes. So, episode 100. Episode 100. I'm Allison Yukulis. With me as always is Hunter Bush. This is episode 100. We are doing uh, Boz Lerman's uh, 2022 Elvis. It's just called Elvis. <laughs> it's just called Two Brothers. <laughs> Something in my notes is also from Rick and Morty. <laughs> That's weird. We don't, we don't watch that much Rick and Morty. I used to reference South Park a lot, and I've kind of cut back on that, because... Because it was your only cultural touch point? No! Hey, watch Great Watch! Hey, watch Great Watch! Hey, watch Great Watch! I hate them all, but I just can't...
Goldberg ever tackle Elvis? They had Chef kind of dressed up. I think he might have been Elvis for like a uh, the um, zombie episode with the Worcestershire sauce. I think uh, oh, I think Chef is Elvis, Elvis. for, yeah, that for sounds Christmas. Right. That sounds right. Yeah. See. Yeah. I knew that. I knew you know the answer. <laughs> yeah. Elvis. Yeah, well, I mean, 2022, directed by Baz Luhrmann. Well, also, like, Elvis is such a a cultural touchstone that, like, yeah, like, it'd be harder to, like, find things that don't do an Elvis thing at any point. Yeah. He's, you know, an icon. He's... He's a postage stamp. Oh, yeah, I had it as a print on my wall as a youth. I was very into Elvis as a seven-year-old. I think I might have talked about this when we were doing um, Lilo and Stitch, because she's also a big Elvis fan. I'm like, this spoke to me on a lot of levels. Yeah, so, yeah, welcome back to the show Elvis. Yeah, right. Previously seen in Lilo and Stitch. Sure. He's instantly recognizable. He's one of the most, you know, like, iconic people. He's synonymous with Las Vegas, where they still have Elvis impersonators and stuff. Yeah, Elvis impersonation is a whole subculture. Yeah. There, uh, there. I don't know if there still are. There definitely were gangs of people that would dress up like Elvis, especially in like Japan. That was a big thing. Yeah, gangs of like Vespa Elvi. Yeah, is Space Danny referencing that or? Yeah. Okay. I don't. I yeah. I mean, like clearly, Space Dandy's hair is uh, and is a pompadour, not unlike Elvis, but like I don't know how many degrees removed. You know that. The cultural inspirations for that are, mm-hmm. you know, where that comes from. When I think of dandies, that's not... Well, yeah. Anyway. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Elvis. Elvis's runtime. Oh, yeah. Oh, two we... hours and 39 minutes. I, I... And Allison was like, it's a long one. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And then she started to look up, are all, you know, Baz Luhrmann's films, like, are they all long like this? And I was like, you know what? Don't look it up. I'll look it up. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to play a game. Allison, please put in order from... What? Shortest, shortest to longest. longest. Yeah. What you think the so I think it's probably for listeners who want to play along at home. Uh-huh. Here are the six Bos Lerman films in order of release. There is Strictly Ballroom in 1992. Mm-hmm. There is Romeo and Juliet in 1996. Moulin Rouge in 2001. Australia in 2008. The Great Gatsby in 2013. And Elvis 2022. So I Here think we go. I think Strictly Ballroom is definitely the shortest. Although yeah. I mean maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, that's the whole premise yeah. of the game. Is maybe you're wrong. I know. Yes. I think Romeo and Juliet and Moulin Rouge might be close to each other. Okay, but um, but I'm gonna say that Romeo and Juliet is shorter than okay. Moulin Rouge. Yeah, like so, okay. it's um, strictly ballroom. Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge. Yeah, I think it's Australia next, then probably Elvis, and then Great Gatsby. Okay. Yeah. You are wrong. <laughs> okay. A little bit. Okay. Strictly Ballroom is the shortest. Okay. It is one hour and 34 minutes. Yes. It's like perfect. Yeah. Right in the 94 pocket. 94 minutes. Right. Tight. Perfect you know, in the pocket Get in, get out, get on yeah. with it. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Is a crisp two hours. Really? On the button. Okay. Yep. Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Is two hours and seven minutes. Okay. Just a hair longer. So, so far I'm. So far you're dead on. Yeah. The actual next shortest is The Great Gatsby. Is it? At two hours and 23 minutes. Okay, because that felt long. (laughs) And then, for eagle-eared listeners, you'll know that Elvis is two hours and 39 minutes. Uh Uh-huh. And Australia is two hours and 45 minutes. Okay. Like, Australia feels long. Because, I mean, like, 
It's kind of long. You don't have but to yeah. justify this. This I was know. just a this was just a yeah. guessing game. I know. That's yeah. what they call it. But yeah, no. So I mean, I think I was pretty close. You were pretty yeah. close. You got the first three dead on. I'm sure we've bitched about this before that movies are getting too long. Eh, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like an old person I, argument. I also feel like I've said this before, which is one of my favorite. Um, I don't know. I guess it's a truism or something, but that brevity is the soul of wit. Yeah, sure. Maybe I mean, that's a I quote. Just... I, don't know. I just always go by Alfred Hitchcock, who said that no film should exceed the capacity of the human bladder. Oh, sure. It's from Hamlet. <laughs> Brevity is the soul of wit? Yes. I'm glad you looked that up. I mean, it's it's something that I reference sometimes, and I forgot where the heck I got it from. Because sure. I haven't actually sat down and read Shakespeare since I was in college. Okay. So. Good. It's been a minute. Now i got to cut this out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I know. For how much I say that, I really don't do it. No. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Elvis. Elvis. Um, Starts with Baz Luhrmann's what's become his signature ornate opening. He really likes these little, like, music box, slucking, bejeweled little um, sort kaleidoscopic of kaleidoscope, things. Yeah. yeah. And, like, it's it's very... Uh, yeah. Great Gatsby does that. He does in Great Gatsby, does in Moulin Rouge. Um, he might do it in... He does do it in Moulin Rouge, that's true. Yeah, he yeah. might do it in the I don't remember it in the others as much, but yeah, it's possible. But yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it really fits here. This this film is tied for my favorite film of last year. Oh, yeah. What's the other one? <laughs> you fool. <laughs> you think it's only one? You absolute child. Yeah. <laughs> there are five my number one favorite films of the year uh-huh everything everywhere all at once oh, yeah, uh-huh. rrr and uh-huh. elvis tied all three tied mm-hmm. for first place and then tied for second place are um the banshees of inishirin yeah and nope yeah and i think they're all almost perfect movies if not perfect movies those then, are things i would agree with yeah. and third place is uh, cyrano yeah i did really enjoy that that was great um peter dinklage plays cyrano yeah yeah but anyway so that's, if I had to do a top three, it's actually six films because I make the rules. Um, but I, I think this is like probably a, probably a perfect movie, mm-hmm. um, even though it's highly divisive. Does that increase its perfectivity to me? Yes. <laughs> because yeah. it, cause it, cause when people go like, well, actually it's, blah, 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 I go, shut up. Um. You're not meeting the film on its well, wavelength. It is, is a highly weird film, especially if you like Elvis. Well, and is it people taking issue with it not being a faithful biopic? Because like it's all it's all over the place, dude. Because that always happens the, whenever anybody does one, where somebody's like, "Well, actually, that didn't happen that way." And it's like, right. yes, that's why this is a biopic and not a documentary, right? And Certain, also, like human themes. fucking experience is. Highly subjective. Sure. Yeah. So even people who were there are like, well, that's not how I remember it happening. Right. And as newly minted scholars of Boz Lerman, he's very specifically playing with some themes here that reappear in his larger work. Yeah. You know, we're talking about like uh, theatrics, like uh, performance and artistry, love and obsession. Yes. And excess and, and largeness. Yeah, and, I mean... And, the, yeah. the word that got thrown around a lot for this film, even though it was, this is all, everything in this movie is present in at least Gatsby, if not his other works. Sure. But is maximalist. That's the word yes. that got thrown around, which is absolutely accurate. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, I is, told, that is I, a cornerstone of yeah. his aesthetic. Well, it's the, I think it started as theatricality. Yes. And then he. Well, he started playing within this medium, right. which offers different opportunities and drawbacks and he's adapted now to working in a cinema cinema 
cinematographical space rather than a theatrical space. Yes. Yes. It's like he literally was like, oh, I'll I'll do theatrical things on film, which is novel and works in Mm -hmm. certain, you know, I mean, I, we again, listen to all the episodes. We talk about all his films. But then being in a cinematic landscape and working in a cinematic, in, in the cinematic field for as long as he has now, he's thinking with portals where he's like, oh, okay. Now I can apply the same sort of unreality and logic and extrapolating as I would do to heighten uh, drama or emotion in a scene on a stage. And instead of bringing a, a, a stagey artificiality to a cinematic landscape, to a, you know, yeah. a filmed scene, he uses like montage yeah. and the language of television and film. Yeah, I mean, something I really paid attention to here. So one of your things that you did not like about Moulin Rouge was the frenetic kind of, you know, sped up footage and quick cuts and, you mm-hmm. know, not really being anchored. And in this, also, it there's, like dirt, but... there's much less of that sort of thing. And he instead opts for like these side by sides or mm-hmm. these mosaics or will layer different sound over Yeah, dude, this imagery. whole movie is like... It's like a, a collage. Yeah, yeah. Or a collage. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's, and it it's almost, not something he's done a lot of previously. It feels like the like the movie's 25 minutes in before it feels like the movie has started. Yes. And it's laid all this ground. And that's not yeah. a complaint. That's not like, oh, it's taking its time getting going. It's like, no, it's doing, it's the, it's the overture. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's laying in all these themes and right. setting up all this fucking track and laying all this groundwork mm-hmm. that you're going to, we're going to touch back on in the movie, but it does it through, yeah, montage, narrative, uh, and narration. Yeah, and he's, I mean... And dream imagery. Yeah, yeah okay, there's, so a little, the, there's a little comic book kind of, that's in know, a, that's tw- That's after the movie, like, thing. starts, starts. But I'm just talking about just the Colonel Tom Parker shit. Oh, Sure, yeah. Like, the film is... Uh, so, the, the movie's from Colonel Tom Parker's perspective. Yes. He is nominally the main character, which is fascinating. Yeah, I mean, he, fascinating he's, he's and certainly the narrator. It is from his lens that we're getting... Everything. Yeah. Um, even things that, like, logically he would have no... But the, the whole film deals with unreality. It's all, yes. you know... It constantly breaks reality... It breaks the fourth wall. It has, you know, yeah, like you mentioned, there's a comic book montage in it that's like Elvis's childhood in 10 seconds. Yes. And tells you everything you need to know about Elvis's childhood, all that will be relevant for the film. Like, it's... He had a twin brother who died in childbirth. And, uh, you know, his dad was imprisoned at one point for passing bad checks. And, you know, him and his mother had to go live in a colored neighborhood and all that stuff. Right. Yes. And it's, it's, you know extremely brief and speedy yes um but yeah it's it's all these different styles of information and entertainment yeah and it's all it's and it's all americana yeah oh and then also there's a ton of actual like footage from yeah elvis performances from news footage. not not as much as you'd think a, no, there's a lot a, of recreation a... in the film yes um and there's some fucking deep fakes yes which is like amazing yeah um, that's a thing that like I I don't I ostensibly don't like, but here it's like so it just if it, it fits the unreality yes. of it that you know, but we got to talk about Colonel oh, yeah. Tom Parker. We have to uh, actually talk yes, about Colonel yes, Tom Parker yes. before yeah. we talk about anything else. Yes, Tom Hanks plays Colonel Tom Parker. Colonel Tom Parker, for clarity, was not Gold Member. 
But Tom Hanks in this movie is gold member. He is wearing a fat suit. Yeah, I was he is doing kind of, a weird accent. Kind of gold member crossed with fat bastard. It's it's no, it's just gold member in a fat suit. That's, okay, that's okay. what it is. Because right. he's not doing yeah. fat bastard stuff. No. He's like, oh, it is me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got all kinds of prosthetics and bullshit on him. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He, he kind of looks like Tom Hanks, but kind of does not. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's really good makeup. Like, it's very easy to forget you're looking at Tom Hanks, which is something I cannot say about like every prosthetic, you know, performance in films. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to be fair, some things you're not meant to forget. You're, you know, you're supposed to know that Eddie Murphy's playing all the clumps. You know, like yeah, that's part of the joke. Yeah. But also, it's not just like, oh, look, uh, Nicole Kidman put on a fake nose, and she's a totally different person now. It's like, no, it still looks like Nicole Kidman. You just gave her a fake nose. Mm-hmm. This is like, oh, I can kind of see Tom Hanks if I'm looking, but, like, you could have fooled me, probably. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Austin Butler as Elvis. Oh, my gosh, yeah. He doesn't look like Elvis. No. But he does. Yes. Like, and it's it's selective shooting and stuff. There's a thing I noticed, and this is my third or fourth viewing of the film now. Yeah. But, like... There's a thing I noticed in this. Uh, I think it's he's on stage. I think it's Vegas. But he does a thing where he looks directly dead down the lens of the camera, yeah. like because the camera's the audience, and yeah. so he's like looking at the audience, and he mm-hmm. does this like smile, like hey. And it, I was just like, that doesn't look anything like Elvis. Like, yeah. it, it could be fucking me on that stage, right? Like it doesn't look anything like him. Yeah. And then the next shot is from like three quarter profile or yeah. something, you know. And I was like, oh, he looks back to looking like Elvis again. Yeah. It's all knowing your angles and yes. all that sort of shit. But yeah, well, he so perfectly embodies Elvis. I was gonna say a lot of it's in the physicality. Yeah. A lot of the way he uses his hands yeah. is very Elvis. His, his voice yes. is if I, yes. I, I was like I yes. kept hearing about like how the same thing, um, Joaquin Phoenix as Johnny Cash. They yeah. were like, oh, he had to learn how to sing deep because like Johnny Cash down here. Yeah. And, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, if, if you've ever seen Joaquin Phoenix talk or, you know, sing, I don't know, I never heard him sing before that, but it's like, it's not that low. Very yeah. few people are. And I was like, oh, this is probably like that. And then I heard him speak and I was like, he doesn't sound a fucking thing like, like, it's not even close. Yeah. Like, and Elvis has a very, he's ubiquitous. Yeah. Point is. Yeah, it's 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 perfectly embodying this character, which, getting back to Tom Parker, that's what this performance is. That's what this fucking weird, cartoonish villain thing is. Colonel Tom Parker, I was like, did he have an accent? I don't remember that. I looked it up. He did not. Yeah. He, I mean, like, maybe a subtle one, but, sure. like, he hit it, as so many actors do when they are from another country and playing American, they go, I'm kind of Southern. It hides all the edges of my weird whatever german or french or english or whatever accent yeah being southern and being kind of gruff hides a lot of the distinguishing characteristics of other accents yeah so like that's kind of what he did mm-hmm. he's like i'm colonel tom parker and like maybe i have a slight you know austrian or what is he uh dutch dutch or maybe i have a slight dutch accent but it's hard to pick out isn't it because this is how i talk but that's not what Tom Hanks is doing. Tom Hanks is like, oh, I'm the snowman. Yeah. Me and your papa are going to run the whole business for you. Oh. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Even his English is dodgy where oh, yeah, yeah. he's doing weird pluralisms or, yes. you know. Or I, I, didn't, I didn't actually watch this paying attention to the grammatical mistakes that he makes. But. It's no. But, yeah. but the movie is immediately telling you. Oh, don't trust this guy. Well, well that dude is not. Who he says he is. Mm-hmm. Claimed to be from West Virginia, but there's not really any record yeah. of him before his military service in which he was never actually even a colonel. Right. You come to find out later that Tom Parker's not even his name. It's probably Anders von Kalk. Van 
Kuijk. Yeah. It's spelled like K-U-I-J-K because it's Dutch. Yes. So, okay. So what I think is that it's actually intentionally presented that way where we get pretty deep in before we start hearing about him not being who he says he is because he's the one telling the story. Sure. And yeah, no, I, I, it yeah. becomes something that he cannot hide from us, the audience, any longer. But it's not something that he's putting on Front Street because it's, that's not what he's trying to do. He's trying to present himself in a certain light. I mean, it's this, kind of bleeding in at the edges. This is like unlike anything I've ever seen. Like, it's pure cinema. It does things that could only be done in, in the, the film landscape, in film. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. That's yeah. why I was like, this is my favorite film of the year. And then we watched... Uh, Everything everywhere all at once. I was like, okay, tied. <laughs> they they're doing movies better than most movies. Yes, that's that's a pretty high benchmark. Something to be praised and lauded, 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 lauded. lauded. Okay, I think. Anyway, everything everywhere all at once is very indie. Yes, and honestly, very scrappy. Like huge I, in scope. I can't believe the stuff that they managed to do on like a tiny ass budget because no, the, like yeah, it's, that's it's, that's our boys from the Swiss Army Man it is. Uh, episode. We the will, Daniels. We will we will cover everything they all at once at some point. I'm sure because like it's it's too interesting a movie not to talk about. Yeah, and honestly, like they're probably one of my favorite directing teams. Yes, because as we said, we we shamelessly pandered for them to I... please hire us on that episode. <laughs> Guess what? We are still available. <laughs> yeah. Do you need shitty voiceover? For your film? For your next project? Guess who can do that? We can do that. We have voices, technically, legally. These are voices. You have more than I do. I have a lot of them. Yeah. Yes. And one of them is, it's me. I'm Colonel Tom Parker, I guess. Isn't that weird? Like, that's such a, it seriously is gold member. And wouldn't it be funny if I talked like this? He doesn't do that. (laughs) No. He could, though. (laughs) But no, like, that's the movie telling you immediately, like, it makes you go, that's weird. It makes you bookmark that oh, mentally. Oh, yes. Yeah, and we, we've discussed this off air because apparently some people, again, took issue with it not being... Um, it's not accurate. Right. Right. You read it as shorthand of like, there's something off with this guy and you need to know that like from the jump and pretty concretely. Because you're, you're getting so much raw data the first half hour of this movie. I told numerous yeah. people who were going to see this when they were like... Mm-hmm. When they, I was like, oh... They were like, do you think I'll like it or whatever? And I'm like, if you make it through the first 20 minutes, you're going to love it. But if you bail 20 minutes in, that's fair. Because yeah. it's a lot. Yes. It literally opens with visual overstimulation, all these, yeah. like we talked about, the crazy uh, kaleidoscopic uh, titles. And then it's a hyperactive dream-like sequence of um, yeah. an, an aging Colonel Tom Parker yeah. like nightmare where he's... Like wandering through an empty casino, yeah, like and this being might chased be... by like flying roulette wheels, and he's dying, and he's hooked up to an IV, and he's yeah. dragging it through the. And yeah, it's like, like this is probably him either yes. feverishly or maybe even actively dying, remembering right. his life. Right, this and might so be it's... the yeah the yeah, dying so dream. It's, so like yeah, it's a fucking fever dream, like my life flashed before my eyes, kind of thing. Yeah, and it becomes more coherent. Eventually, it's yes. just that like the immediate first couple of minutes yeah, are a lot is, like, visually flying yeah. through the signage of Las Vegas. Yeah, well, that's just Boz loves doing that. Oh shit. no, but like, <laughs> dude, it's incre- it's incredible. And I was like yeah. sitting there in the theater. It's just so much and so loud. And like the "Welcome to Las Vegas" sign takes up the whole screen. Yeah, and it's like hyper real. Well, and and also, it's probably him trying to evoke yeah. Las Vegas. A hundred percent. Which. 
it's yeah. him trying to evoke the legend of Elvis. Like yeah. it's mo- like yeah. people talk about comic books as modern mythology. Oh, there are modern mythology. Right. It's like right. We'll get to that later. But like Elvis, <laughs> this is truly like modern. He, he's he's making this. This is modern myth. This is yeah. you know the legend of Elvis Presley, and it's being told by somebody. And I think it's a fascinating choice for Tom Hanks because he never plays villains. Yeah. Except for the Lady Killers, which is the weird Coen Brothers movie. It's like their only miss with me. So okay. this is like a rare. This is a rare thing, but. Watching the movie, even the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, I get it. It's because Colonel Tom Parker, at no point, views himself as the villain. He yeah. views himself as a parasite, but he doesn't think that that's necessarily bad. He thinks that maybe he and Elvis serve each other. They benefit from each other equally. It yeah. is a, you know, a, a symbiotic relationship. Well, and his his dialogue is frequently, you know, we are doing this. We did it. Sure. We, you know... It's the showman and the snowman. Right. It's, you know. And every showman is a snowman. Right. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, Colonel. Right. And then, I mean, also he references, which is likely true, his, you know, Carney back story. Yeah, like or, Vince McMahon. You know. That's what he should have done. Sure. In this role. He should have like, it's me. I'm Colonel Tom Parker. But. And when, when Elvis was like, you're fired, he should be like, you're fired. Sure. It's me, Austin Butler, as Elvis. <laughs> That's a funny joke for people that know wrestling. Yeah. This is a wrestling podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so something also that I've talked about with you discussing this movie off camera. Not off camera, but off radio. Yep. Off podcast. Off tape. Um, you, 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 you hit podcast, you kept going, and you went back to something that doesn't work. It's not off camera because we're not on camera. It's not off radio because we're not actually on radio. This is like you could, the argument can be made that podcasts are the new radio. Then you said podcast, which is exactly the right word. Then you said tape. Tape? No one's ever recorded a podcast to tape. <laughs> Something that I've said. The off. two technologies don't overlap. The, the Venn diagram is two separate circles. Yeah, I know. Um, All right. Okay. So, a thing I'd been saying off mic uh, when we've discussed this film was also likening this to the Fred Rogers biopic, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Oh, yeah. Which also has Tom Hanks in it as Fred Rogers. As another famous villain, Fred <laughs> Rogers. <laughs> no. Famous but, military but, sniper turned television host. I don't think... That's not true. That's not yeah, true. I was no, going to say, I think disappointing. that was a uh, urban legend. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a fun urban legend. Though. It is. But also, it's another film about a guy that's larger than life that is told from a like outsider perspective so i didn't see what you be my neighbor yeah. um what's the perspective there was a profile done of uh fred rogers in uh, fred so, rogers mr rogers yes in case mr rogers know. mr rogers neighborhood won't right. be, be my neighbor um, mr mcfeely yes. Uh, there was a journalist that did a profile on him for some paper or magazine or whatever. Right. And so... And that's the perspective of the film is Yes. From? Okay. Yes. I'm just checking. And it's... And, and so, like, a lot of the movies actually based on things that were covered in the profile. Brevity's a soul of it. It's through a lens of somebody who is or got close to them and could have this sort of, like, but the, intimate vantage point without it being directly this person, yeah. I think it's a fascinating choice to make this movie from the, this point of view, from Tom Parker's point of view, and not have it, you know, and still have it portray him as kind of unlikable, like, debatably unlikable. It's a very humanist portrayal of this man. 
Yes. Who has well, been villainized in yes. tabloids and in Elvis biographies and f- by Elvis fans forever. You know, he's he's yeah. the Yoko of yeah. Elvis's life. Right. You know? And I, I, you can't see because it's not a, a visual medium, but I put up big fucking air quotes because, like, Yoko didn't do fucking shit. Everybody can just leave Yoko Ono alone. She didn't ruin the Beatles or whatever. No. The Beatles ruined the, the Beatles. Yeah, I was going to say, there's, there's plenty of other things happening yeah, they there. Were, they, um, they, they hung out when they were, like, 12 years old, yeah. and they started the best rock band ever, yeah. and then they grew into different adults, which yes. happens. Yeah. And it's fine. Yes. And the Beatles, as an entity, were, was going to get ruined eventually. Right. Which, that rhymes, so technically that could be a Beatles song. I said, I am he as you are we as you are he, and I'm going solo, fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what that song's about. You are the Eggman, which means, uh, fuck you. I'm out of here. He's Australian now. I don't know. I had wine. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. I'm too, you know what? Here's my problem. I'm too in my own head because before we started recording, I read negative reviews of our podcast. (laughs) Oh, again? Yeah, we got two more. We have have like six total reviews. It's not that many, but three are like five stars and three are one star. Yeah. And the one's old and I knew about that. Well, I thought a couple that were people that were pissed off that I don't like Clint Eastwood. Well, one is a guy or or lady. uh, It's poor grammar, but Mm -hmm. it's like it's like the 70s was a great time and uh, said they they just yell about things they consider quote unquote racist. It's like Iger Sanctions is pretty racist. Also homophobic. We talked about it in the episode, and we still say it's kind of like we had yeah. fun with it. Yeah. Arguably, it's one of the better mountain climbing movies. Yeah. And then somebody <laughs> uh, also said that, like, um, we sound like, I don't know, children or whatever the phrase is. We, 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 we have terrible opinions, and we just hate movies. And I was like, we definitely don't. Like, I, So I'm guessing they're a Smokers fan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm guessing they logged Maybe. in and be like, ooh, somebody reviewed The Smokers, my favorite movie. And then we were like, it's shit, and it looks bad, and it sounds bad, and everybody's bad in it, and it's not cool. And and they were like, well, they have terrible opinions, and they sound like children, or whatever. Though I would like to like, reiterate, we... as a food fight, The Smokers is no longer the worst um, thing that we've that's watched. That's true, Maybe they're a food fight fan. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. So now I'm two in my head, and I keep thinking about the negative reviews, and I shouldn't have done it, and I, I knew I shouldn't. You never read the comments. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. It's the idea that, like, maybe eventually we hit on something that's nice or that resonates with you and stuff. And also, at the end of the day, we're picking weird things to talk about because we love movies and we like doing deep dives. I, and we, we don't like... have to sit here at yeah, our 100th I, I know, episode and defend yes, and ourselves. talk about all 100 and, fucking things. And, and defend ourselves yeah. to cowards on the internet who yeah. want to review and don't even give contact. At least the, uh, you know what I'll say? Of our three one-star reviews. Yeah. I give the Eastwood person the most credit and I respect their opinion the most because they at least gave me a fucking clue what made right. them mad. Yeah, it's either... We've done two Eastwood yeah, movies. either Iger Sanction or uh, what's... Play Misty for me. Play Misty for me, yes. I, for some reason, my brain was like, bye bye Birdie. Yeah. I'm like, no. That's yeah. me, I'm in bye bye Birdie. Yeah, wouldn't that be... I don't know, man. Well, bye bye Birdie is uh, <laughs> inspired by Elvis Presley. Is it? Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, Birdie goes into the military. And oh, my God. She's laughing. She's never seen it. No, I haven't. She has no idea. Honestly, I could be lying. Or he goes into the military and then he fights all those bird men. The most of Bye Bye Birdie that I've seen was when they show 10 seconds of it in Mad Men. I'm going to read this to you. Okay. The Broadway smash musical Bye Bye Birdie was actually inspired by Elvis Presley being drafted. 
Wait, really? Yeah, that's what I said. And you laughed as though it were a joke because you okay. never know if I'm lying or Yes, not. I know. You frequently <laughs> fuck with me and now I don't know what to believe. The king of rock and roll received his draft notice on December 20th, 1957 while in Tennessee. Uh-huh. It's, he's Birdie. Elvis is Birdie. So. Oh, wow. Okay. You inadvertently referenced a thing. Wow. Referenced Elvis. Wow. Well, uh, I already the, said at the top of this that was hard to not do because usually there's Elvis in anything. The plot, just so you know, the plot of Bye Bye Birdie is a rock singer travels to a small Ohio town to make his farewell television performance and kiss his biggest fan before he is drafted. Huh. Yeah. And when I said that, you did not believe me. No. This is why we are in couples counseling. We're not. We're not. <laughs> I won't go. <laughs> they keep asking and I keep saying I won't. No, we have a lot of respect for each other. <laughs> we also love... So passion. We're basically Gomez and Morticia. It's true. Except that she has tried to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite a lady killer. Acquitted. Um, <laughs> that's my favorite joke. It's my favorite joke in Adam's family. Yeah. Because I didn't get it as a kid, but I knew it had the cadence of a joke. So I would respond to certain things with acquitted. <laughs> I know in hindsight it made no sense. <laughs> except except there was probably one or two times where it did yeah. and was very funny. <laughs> I'm a child. Dumb and weird. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Acquitted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I knew that acquitted was a punchline. It had the cadence of a punchline. Yes. And so I don't remember. Didn't know what it meant. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I don't remember any examples. I just know that was a thing that I would say. Sure. As a punchline. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I don't remember anybody ever responding in negative or positive. I just know I said it all the time. And law of averages, maybe one of them was good, but the rest of them had to be completely confusing. Yeah. Oh, this is my son, Hunter. He wants to be a writer. Like, acquitted. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> some fucking precocious ass 14 year old. Yeah. Acquitted. Anyway, I'm taking my stolen bowling shoes and I'm going now. Did I ever tell you that was uh, how I, as a, I think, nine year old, introduced myself to some new neighbors? <laughs> my name is Allison and people say I'm precocious. And then. That should be your introduction on this show. <laughs> All right. This is episode 100. Yeah. Now you're taking some time <laughs> off from the show. Uh-huh. Uh We've 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 cataloged all your various adventures on each episode where you're at. <laughs> yeah. And we will continue to do so. But when you come back, <laughs> in any capacity, that's that should, how I should. That should be your introduction. Okay. Where it's like, oh, welcome to the show. Like I'm Allison Gould. People say I'm precocious. Yeah, that's how I had introduced myself to one of my neighbors that was moving in, and then he mentioned it to my dad, who then has told me about that probably over like two years since then oh he's not wrong it also has not changed yeah elvis 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 yeah i don't know this movie's mostly montages and i don't say that as a negative i i've said that before about other films as a negative like rocky four is mostly montages that's a negative well it's montages and then also like recycling shit from previous movies rocky four so then it's less of a movie sure rehashing Right, but it's also, it gets boring. Yeah. Elvis never gets boring. No. It looks incredible. Costume department fucking nailed it, man. Costume's great. Hair and makeup are all great. So we were also talking about, uh, they they sprinkle in some actual footage, not a ton of it, but here and there. And that's, like, I had to really watch mostly camera angles. A lot of it's pretty close in both, like, the era of, you know makeup and stuff and then also just like the way things are shot something's not clearly modern right boz uh is mimicking yes like 
TV distortion and yes. things. The final shot, like final scene of Elvis when, you know, his last performance in Vegas when he performs Unchained Melody is partially shot, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's just shot on a regular or whatever. However, he shot the rest of the movie. I don't know. I don't. If it was, I didn't look up what camera right, he used. Right, but if it then was they, digital or if he actually shot it on film or whatever. No idea, yeah. But yeah. I didn't look up how he filmed it. But then they like alter the footage and it looks like old television broadcast from, what, when did he pass away? 70-something? I want to say 77, but maybe that's... That sounds right. Yeah, August 16th, 1977. There are, at times, three different things happening. And they're all about the same thing. Um, They use the roulette, not roulette, sorry, what's the... Slot the one-armed bandit slot machine. Slot machine. Although there are a lot of roulette wheels visually. Yes. But they do slot machine sounds. They do. And yeah, stuff. they do slot. Yeah. I mean, they do a lot of gambling stuff because it's A, Vegas, and B, it's a huge motivator for Colonel Tom Parker. Sure. So yes. that's the thing. This is, uh, as is my understanding, I read two Elvis books my whole life. And my understanding is that, yes, th- this film is pretty much accurate to the... At the least sketchy the, details well, of the reasoning, what is happening. Yeah. yeah, the reasoning, which is sure. Colonel Tom Parker was... A charlatan and gambling addict. Yeah, I don't know why he... He basically was Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> um, he, right, was a guy, and... he was a guy from a foreign country who said he was from a different state in the United States because to him, who gives a shit? But we were all like, no one from Kansas sounds like that, Tommy. Oh, yeah, I'm from Kansas. Yeah, it's the same thing where in this movie when they're like, yeah, Huntington, West Virginia, and you're that's supposed to ring a bell in your mind going, nobody from West Virginia sounds like this guy. That seems weird. And so then later when they're like, your real name is Anders Van Hoek or whatever. Kalk. Kalk. Yeah. Then you, I, Van Hoek. That's, Hoek is uh, Ren's last name from Ren and Stimpy. Cool. Ren Hoek. Yeah, Anders Van Kalk. Yeah, you're supposed to go, oh, that makes more sense now. And that's what it is, is the whole movie he's been telling you, I'm not who I say I am. Yeah. But it's it, we don't have time. The movie literally doesn't have time to show him being shifty and show him doing something that raises your suspicions. It doesn't have time. It's too busy telling you all about Elvis. Yeah. Like, I mean, about even, his entire life. We even do a montage at like towards the end of the film of like, you know. Elvis putting it together? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, where it's just a it's bunch of... every time anybody's been like, that guy's weird. You know, yeah. like... <laughs> yeah, like, it's gotta be something else, but I don't know what it would be. Right. Like, that kind of thing. I'm and just the, like, uh, the, I don't yeah. know, one of his cousins or whatever, one of his team being like, yeah, you got offers from Japan and Germany a million dollars yeah. a night last year. I don't know don't why Don't know why he, he would have turned those down. Yeah. And, I mean, the reasoning is, he's not really Colonel Tom Parker, therefore he doesn't have a travel visa, so he therefore he can't travel... Therefore, he's not taking international performance offers because he can't be on hand. And I don't know. This is, a, like I said, this is a very empathetic, sympathetic, you know, depiction of Colonel Tom. Whether that sways you as to his, you know, humanity and innate goodness or whatever, I, I don't think it does. I still think he was a parasite, but I think this is a really interesting. I keep using the word fascinating. I think it's fascinating that this is. Theoretically, how someone like that could view themselves. Yeah. As like, yes, I am a parasite. I am, you know, I am yeah. living off of you, but, right, but we are benefiting each other. Right. You get as much from me as I get from yeah. you, which is not true. But Elvis doesn't know that. Right. Because he's a dumb kid. And even even in his almost 40s, he's still a dumb kid. He's been famous his entire life, which means he's never had 
emotional development. Like he's mm-hmm. never learned street smarts. Yeah. He's been the most famous man in the world for most of his life. Yeah. You know, that's fucking crazy. Yes. Yeah, because he died like, at 42, Yeah, right? that sounds about right. Which is short. <laughs> which also, I mean, like, we do touch on the turbulence of the era in this film yeah. as well. Which yeah, is... this film is, uh, it it looks at Elvis through a very social lens. Yes, and... which is fascinating. Yeah, which is a thing that I, I don't think... In any of the things I've ever read about Elvis, like, I've never seen him examined through the lens of, like, he existed and interacted with and responded to one of the most turbulent times in American history. Right, because we're specifically referencing Dr. Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy. Yeah, and I mean, like, numerous just, like, deaths, tragic. Right. But, like, I mean, those are two of, like, the bigger ones that yeah. kind of get like mentioned and especially uh robert yeah. kennedy's a, shooting a lot was... of people dragged the um martin luther king there's a scene it's it's elvis and priscilla in his t- uh, trailer while he's filming something mm-hmm. and um you know he's like oh martin luther king he was you know he's killed today he, he always you know he always had had an answer he was very eloquent like it was a whole thing and there's you know i saw a lot of people lampooning that in reviews of the film and being like you think elvis cared about whatever and it's like yeah you think he didn't like yeah because like i don't know i don't know i'm gonna assume the best about you know somebody else oh instead of being cynical about right and i'm a cynic sure yeah i'm a pessimist you know me yes but that's the thing is you're not necessarily cynical about people no no i believe in the innate goodness of human beings because i am one right as far as you know you haven't seen my skeleton. Well, and that, uh, like, the vast majority of people seem to, like, do good. Yeah. I, even I, if it's I, not directly beneficial, it's that there are a couple of people that don't, that then it becomes, you well, know. Well, yeah, yeah. Some people, this is, we yeah. talk about this all the time. Humanity or any group, which is there are some clear winners, there are some clear losers, and there are a lot of people in the middle who are just fine. Absolutely acceptable as examples of whatever the group is but i i believe in that everybody has the potential to be good there's some people who are beyond help and should be pushed into the uh Oosh. grand canyon oh, okay. no no they might be able to swim okay. they're not swimming out of the grand canyon mm-hmm. they can have fun for like 40 seconds and then we're all done mm-hmm. it's all sewed up here and the best thing about the grand canyon is i can push a lot of those fuckers in there before it becomes an issue <laughs> it's pretty big no one will even notice till like at least twenty five. I, I I don't think we can really go through the whole film. Like no, I, I, mean, I like, don't think there's a way to go because it's it's yeah. it's too much film. Boz to get back yeah. on topic loves like swooping around uh, like CG'd buildings. <laughs> In this, yeah, yeah. What, well, what? Uh, Moulin Rouge he does it. And uh, I think true, Gatsby, yeah. we also do a bit of it. And yeah, with, a move. I and, call it a yeah. move. Singers yeah. have moves. Like, not just physical moves, but, like, singers have moves. Like, Danzig. Danzig has moves. Danzig, who I've lampooned on this podcast numerous times. He'll like, hey, hey. That's a Danzig move. Yeah. Like, he just does that shit all the time. Yeah. He'll sing a thing, and then just at the yeah. end goes, like, hey. It's yeah. just Danzig. He likes how it sounds. He thinks it sounds cool, so people agree with him. Yeah, and that's why he has It's career. a comfortable yeah. thing for his voice to do. Yeah. Um, sure. That's one of his moves. You yeah. know, people have moves. Yeah. You know, Spielberg. We talked about yeah. Spielberg. Yeah, I know. Smoke yeah. with light yeah. coming through the smoke, light yeah. beams. That's one of his moves. Yeah. What? Well, it's it's less of like a a edifice compared to edifice. 
artifice artifice Artifice? i don't know one Uh, of those is right yeah whatever (laughs) less right w-r-i-t-e-h-w-g-w-gmail.com if you know which one um we're trying to get more engagement okay let's mention this now okay we got two emails we did about the same movie yeah from i guess two different people but if it was the same if it was the same person you know who you are yeah thanks for listening um, yeah, we apparently got two emails in the same week about potentially doing um, an episode. We did an episode back in episode 20 on Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine with our friend Will Congleton. And then we got two emails this past, like, January that were like, hey, would you want to maybe do an episode on the sequel? I just listened to your episode on the Bikini Machine. Would you want to do the girl bombs? Because yeah. I never Which, saw it, but, like, seems fun. Yeah. And so now we're trying to set yeah. that up. Uh, yeah. Will is yeah. uh, we have watched, and in fact, it's that we have a split DVD of the both of them. So, yeah, yeah. Will is uh, library. Will is uh, a very lovely man, but he's antisocial. Yeah, and it's like pulling teeth sometimes to get him to come out of his uh, house, his crypt, and hang out. Yeah, and like I love him to death, but when he gets when when I can convince him to come on the show, he'll be here, and we're gonna do an episode. Yeah, but yeah, we want more engagement, more five star reviews. Even if you tell us you hate us, five stars. They smell five stars. But yeah, um, and uh, but we want more emails, so please. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're talking about three D, three D buildings, CG buildings. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I mean, most notably Moulin Rouge and this. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, there's a bit of it in other films, but it's it's less overt. Than yeah, in, I mean, this is very, there's very hyperactive transition. Yeah. Things in this, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, especially like you know, swooping around Vegas. Is um, at one point, very visually yes. engaging. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the International Hotel, yeah. The International Hotel, but also like you know, they we we kind of do like a swoop of the strip when they're first talking about being in Vegas. Yeah, but multiple doing, times you know. it's like the camera's flying under the I don't know what you call it. It's, it's like kind of the marquee, but it's like the sign for the International Hotel. Yes. Yeah. It's like swooping between the legs and up and around it, and then like into yeah. the like building and yeah, and sometimes we're looking at people in different areas of the hotel and and watching through windows and yeah it's but just to give you an idea of how much of this movie is montages my one two three four five six seven eighth note is the word montage is underlined and then at one point it became like i had a streak where one line in my notebook Mm-hmm. starts with touring montage then it has four other notes then it's success montage then it has three other notes mm-hmm. obscenity montage and then it has four charity concert band shell rally right germany montage hollywood montage family man montage like mm-hmm. this is like every other thing in the movie like between almost every scene for the majority of the movie is a montage like changing time Showing you where Elvis is with regards to popular opinion, where he is in his life, where he is in his relationships to the people around him, and then dropping you into a scene, yeah, like a guardian angel, yeah, like it's like uh, it, it it is literally like um, Christmas Story, Christmas, a Christmas Carol, Christmas Carol. That's right. Christmas Story is the kid. The, the yeah, you'll shoot your, shoot eye, your out. eye out. Yep, you shoot your eye out, Scrooge. Is that not right? Okay, <laughs> so. Christmas Carol. Like, it's literally, like, dropping in to see a moment with Tiny Tim. Like, it's literally that. Where, like, do we see all of Elvis and Priscilla's Mm -hmm. courtship and relationship? No, we literally see one scene where they're in her room, and she does a lot of exposition. Is it her room, 
or I thought she was visiting oh, him maybe at, it's his. like, yeah, wherever yeah. they were stationed it's in Germany. It's probably his. Yeah. But, like, and they're, you know, it's one scene where she does a lot of exposition that yeah. lets you know her whole character and where she stands in relation to the people in her life who we never see. Yeah. And then the next time we see her, they're fucking married. Like, it's it's immediate. Yeah. And it's so good. Also, she's my favorite performance in the movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, Austin Butler is great, right? He's either, But he's either going to work or he's not going to work. Uh-huh. And he works incredibly well. So, he's Elvis now. <laughs> that's not a performance. Yeah. Right? He's just, he's in it. And like, that's apparently a thing. Again, we've talked about it. We're like, you know, physically, he's really... He's great. He's in it. He's, yeah. yeah. He's dialed in, man. He's yeah. like some of the most dialed in acting I've seen ever. So... But, like, she's my favorite part because she has this one scene, this scene, which is sub five minutes, to make you understand why this is the girl Elvis married. Yeah. This is it. Because, like, the whole movie, he, there's women throwing panties at him on stage. Yeah. And, like, the whole movie could oh, be Elvis just it, banging women up and down the, you know, yeah. the Mason-Dixon or the, whatever. The first time we see him, he's going on stage and... It's like this crazy seduction where I saw somebody refer to this scene uh-huh. as an example of instead of existential dread or existential horror, existential lust. Sure. And I was like, yeah. that makes so much sense. And I wish it's... I had screenshotted that. I wish I remembered who said that. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. It's, it is people uh, unlike a Lovecraft story where they were they would encounter a creature or a horror that their mind cannot comprehend and therefore breaks their sanity. Yeah. This is that except for it's Elvis's hips. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's constant shots of his crotch interspersed with like women screaming and then looking surprised about it. The man, the girl that does the first scream. Yeah. Is it's such a good performance. Yeah. Because she screams and it's like, Oh shit, I screamed. Like, yeah. She has this like look on her face and this reaction like, Oh, that came out of me. And then, yeah, once again, we have the Colonel's like voiceover talking yes. about a good show is giving people these feelings that they're not sure they should feel good about. Right. Having. He's like, I, I look, I saw in her eyes that she was not sure if she should be feeling these feelings, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. It's an incredible. That scene's incredible. Scene. And it's. That scene is like, legitimately amazing and it's elvis before he's elvis yeah. so he's just playing in a room on a small stage with right. he's not the just, king of rock and roll right or was he always i mean that's, yes. the, you know, that's yeah. the idea yeah it's that he always had this it, it, i mean it's, it's the movie telling you it's not a product of yeah. colonel tom parker no. teaching him how to do stuff yeah. and telling him what to do it's, yeah no he it's had this. yeah there's no pretense it's just his raw ability to yeah. tap into something it's him with, with uh, his band the blue moon boys yeah. and they go on stage and uh they they do let's play house yeah which starts with him you know he's like they're like all right you're live on the radio and you know it's a, it's a talent show something whatever and the auditorium full of people and they're like elvis presley blah 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 and he's like oh we're just real you know happy to be down here playing for all you fine people and he turns to the guy and he's like, is, is, do you have anything else to say, sir? And he's like, no, go ahead. And he's like, all right, this is a song we have on Sun Records. And it goes like this. He's like, baby, 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 baby. And there's like feedback. And yeah. some dude yells, get a haircut, fairy. And that pisses Elvis off. Yeah. <laughs> and then they launch in a Let's Play house and it's great. And he starts doing the, the wiggle. And um, during like one of the musical breakdowns, he like goes back to his band and he's like, 
what are they all yelling about? And they're like, the wiggle. <laughs> and he's like, the what? And they're like, the wiggle, your hips. Go do it. Do it more. <laughs> and it's great. And then he, he does. He goes back and he like takes the mic and he turns his like back like three quarters to the audience and he's singing the next verse. And then like when it gets to the punchline of the verse, he like whips his hips around and does like the big fucking on his toes like hip wiggle. And everybody freaks out. It's fucking great. It's shot so good. Yeah. It's like hilarious. Yeah. It's funny to watch, but you totally get it. You're like, yeah, I get, I get the appeal. Yeah. I get what, you know, I get what they're yeah. going I, for. I see what's happening here. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, of course, of course you want to fuck Elvis. Yeah. Cause like, look at your dumb boyfriend that said, get a haircut fairy. Yeah. So when we were watching this, I, I referenced, uh, Iggy pop. <laughs> yeah. Metallic KO, the famous, uh, Iggy baited a bunch of bikers for the show. Um, yeah, to come. Iggy baited a bunch of bikers because uh, he had had a rock a show, and then they were having another show. And he was like, well, "Come on down, you're all cowards." Yeah. <laughs> it's basically like you won't coward. Yeah. Um, and uh, all these fucking bikers showed up to get pissed off at Iggy because Iggy was too queer for them. Uh-huh. And um, you know, people are booing him and throwing shit and whatever. And he said, you can throw all the ice you want. Your girlfriend will still love me. That's one of his. Yeah. One of his. Uh, that's one of the Bon Mots from that album. Yeah. There are like 14 different versions of that album you can buy. Mm-hmm. And I own like six of them. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all good. There's not really a bad one. It's called Metallic KO because somebody threw a bottle and knocked him out. Yeah, because the, that's the sound at the end of the album when Iggy hits the stage and drops, you know, the mic. Yeah. Is, yeah he, gets, he gets knocked out. And there's a metallic squink. Mm-hmm. A squink? There's a squink uh, as the mic hits the thing. But yeah, it's great. But uh, yeah, and that's kind of what's happening here is the yeah. spirit of rock and roll. Yes. Yeah. Long may it rain. Yeah. That is possessed by both the king of rock and roll and the godfather of punk, right? right. Is that yeah? But yeah, it's it's that you know that fuck the authority kind of shit. And, yeah, and it's and, like yeah, it's literally like it's weird to say this, but it's never been better, uh, uh, you know, encapsulated mm-hmm. on film. Yeah, than in the wedding singer <laughs> when Adam Sandler says. Yeah. I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say. The thing that I always found really crazy about like heckling, I mean, especially singers, because like comedians, like you expect it to be a back and forth. But like, I, I don't think that's fair, I guess. But like, yeah, it's it's like you're it's seriously displaying a, a lack of intelligence to be arguing with somebody who has a microphone. That's the other thing in this movie is that like he's so likable even in between songs and stuff. Oh, Elvis? Elvis and yeah. then like uh Austin Butler's like depiction of him That's great. is like heart melting. It's adorable. Yeah. He's yeah. just so genuine and he's enjoying his time on stage. Yeah. And like yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I don't think there's a bad performance in this whole movie. No. At all. No. Man, oh, the guys that they get for uh BB King and Little Richard, um it's Kelvin Harrison Jr. was BB King, Alton Mason was Little Richard. And yes, also they are also ridiculously good. Like Big Mama Thornton yes. is uh played by Shanka Ducure, I think. And uh Big Boy Crudup, who Elvis oh. sees as a boy. Yes, uh, in like doing the, that's all right, the, Mama. Yeah, um, is played by Gary Clark Jr. and that's great. Yes, that's a fucking that's yeah. a, that scene is fucking great. That's when I, I was in the theater watching this movie. I was like, 
this is fucking wild. Yeah, Elvis as a kid is watching, I guess, like some sort of like dance hall or something. Yeah. So again, um, he and his mom, after his dad went to jail for uh, passing a bad check, uh, he and his mom had to move into like low rent housing in the quote unquote black part of town. Um, but it was like housing for white folks in the, you know, quote unquote colored part of town. Right. This is the terminology of the time. So, uh, you know, it's him as like a kid kid, like eight, seven, eight years old, like running around. Um, with his friends and yeah there's like a dance hall speakeasy type like oh yeah and it's just like uh, this you know big, big boy crud up like sitting there playing his version of like that's all right mama and then it's talking about how elvis understood music in a way that nobody did right that's yeah. the, that's the narrative that well, that tom parker is yes. presenting and then also down the road a bit well, which you know is probably a, a the embellishment is a revival yeah well that's tense. what i was gonna say yeah. so then elvis is like Having this, like, religious experience watching this blues musician play. Yes. And watching people dance. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he, you know, another kid, like, pushes him out of the way so he can look through the crack in the wall and watch the performance, right? And then Elvis hears a revival tent, like, a little ways over. And he goes in. They're he saying gets, glory, hallelujah. Right. Yeah. And he gets transfixed. And one of his friends tries to drag him out. And the, like, pastor grabs his arm. He's like, no, no, no. He's with the Her. spirit now. You know, he's like, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I don't think we have to explain to anyone, but, like, big criticism of Elvis is that he's essentially taking black songs and black music yeah. and making it okay for a white audience to listen because he's a white face on it. Right. They do explain that Sun Records was trying to catalog black music, but was looking for an act that was marketable right. to be able to do, you know, the work that they were doing. Right. And I'm not trying to, like whitewash history or no. whatever like i this is, well, a, this is and, a too large a topic for me to you know have the definitive answer sure. on but that's my thing is like somebody has to be like hey this music is good well and also he wasn't the first and is certainly no. not the last i mean you have no. you know eminem and macklemore to be pointing to in justin timber lake right. yeah i mean I, I mean like most music yeah like i mean how granular do you want to get with music most of most of what has become rock and roll came from like field songs yeah blues music yeah right like that's the that's the right. impetus for that yeah nobody's listening to green sleeves anymore right <laughs> green sleeves although slaves <laughs> it's great like bach bach is good this is uh-huh. bach and it rocks it's a rock block of bach like <laughs> like that's not wrong if yeah. i'm i like i'm willing to be wrong i don't i don't know enough about these things to be like oh this is my definitive point of view but like this is how i feel if hunter's wrong write it yeah so i don't know standout performances uh oh, man. scenes because again and also... they use the words they use the phrase snow job a lot in, the, in this movie where i was like what are we doing there and nobody does any cocaine no elvis takes a lot of uh pills yeah and a lot injections of they well, have dr nick who i find it's funny because of the simpsons you know if it isn't my old friend, Mr. McGregor, with a leg for an arm and an arm for a leg. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Nick. Uh, dubiously a medical professional. <laughs> well, I mean, where do you think the name came from? What? the In in the in this? No, in The Simpsons. Do you think it's a reference? To, did would it act- surprise me? Did it? he actually have a Dr. Nick or was this no just... No idea. I never... It wouldn't surprise me if Matt Groening was like, oh yeah, it's a Beatle. Uh, it's an Elvis reference. There was actually a Dr. Nick. George Constantine Nicopolis. Another thing that uh, Lerman does in this uh, is the, he does it in 
Gatsby a lot, which is the taking era appropriate music, in this case specifically oh, Elvis. Yeah. And not only like remixing it, but like mixing it with modern music. There's a Jack White song, there's a Doja Cat song. Like yeah. Stuff. And I don't know the songs enough to be like, oh, this maybe, is. Maybe some of them sample, but maybe they. Or cover. Or yeah. Because like, Jack White one, I was right. like, oh, this might be a cover. Right. But I did. It, it, it's. I'm not kidding. It's all coming and going so fast that it's yeah. like almost impossible for me to. I mean, I could have been pausing it, but. Then we would have been watching the movie for six hours. There was something where they played a song very briefly. Uh, I guess we should mention his uh, Elvis's mom is Gladys, played by Helen Thompson. And his dad is Vernon, played by Richard Roxburgh. Welcome back to the show, Richard Roxburgh. He was in uh, both Moulin Rouge and Australia. Oh, yeah. He yeah. looks like Frank Costanza. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah, which I, I, I found distracting every time I've watched yeah. this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's what Elvis's dad looked like, but I was like, he looks like Frank Costanza to me. And as long as we're doing Welcome Back to the Show, Welcome Back to the Show, David Wenham, who's also in Moulin Rouge. David Wenham plays Hank Snow, who is Carl Tom Parker's music act, country music act. Yeah. Um, it's him and his son, Jimmy Rogers Snow, who's mm-hmm. played by Cody Smith McPhee from like, um, what's like a Power of the Dog. Oh. And a bunch of others. He's extremely talented actor. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Hank Snow is like an old, like, um, he's like a Hank Williams type. What's the song? He he performs a song. We only see him perform one song on stage. And it's like, uh, pardon me if I'm sentimental when we say goodbye or whatever. And, you know, he's then put on the the tour, that the, the fucking Colonel Tom Parker tour yeah. with Elvis fucking Presley, who's doing like oh baby let's play house you know and you're like oh fuck yeah, yeah. and it's it's juxtaposed it's very it's really yeah, well we done. see him climbing the charts just leapfrog this guy <laughs> yeah um they do a bit uh which we most recently saw in our um great rupert episode uh where rupert slowly becomes the main attraction that's exactly what happens in in this uh this montage in elvis where it's like hank snow with this person and this person and this person and Jimmy Rogers Snow and, and then Elvis Presley. In is with right. Elvis, yeah. And then it's like, and it's Hank Snow with these people. And then like a sticker goes over that says Elvis Presley and Jimmy Rogers Snow. And then it's like a big sticker. It's like Elvis Presley, also other other people, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Elvis Presley and more. When we talk about the montaging and the visual, the seamless flowing visual nature of it. Because like I'm telling you, the movie gallops along. It's like we said, three, yeah. two and a half, three hours. 240 whatever it doesn't feel like it it didn't feel like it in the theater it doesn't feel like it any time i've watched it since and i know intellectually it's almost three hours it moves along at such a clip and it's never boring it's never dull yeah but like here's one example of the seamlessness of the visuals right so you get hank snow tells colonel tom like basically it's me or elvis mm-hmm. i won't be on a bill with him he's too sexy <laughs> And uh, Colonel Tom's like, I'll figure it out. Hank's like, after I get off the stage, I'm going to go pray all night about this. Tom's like, yeah, okay, I'll do what I got to do. But then he wants to make sure that Elvis will let him manage him because he's Mm -hmm. like, that's my fucking horse now. Uh, That's where the money's going to be. So he takes him on a Ferris wheel and they have this whole conversation about like, you could be great. He's like, I think you're great, Colonel. He's like, but I also think I could be great. He's like, I think that too, my boy. You know, he does this whole fucking thing. Yeah. And then when he's like, all right, we'll shake on it. They shake hands. And they're like, all right, cool. We're going to sign. I'm going to be your manager forever. This is great. It's a shot of the Ferris wheel. Ferris wheel like spins around real crazy. It becomes a record, an RCA record of Elvis playing on a turntable. And then the RCA label 
grows out of the center of the record, takes up the whole center of the frame, and becomes a neon RCA sign, and then zoops in the background, and it's a neon sign in a recording studio where Elvis is recording, like, Fever or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. And it's two seconds long. It's like, whoop, zip, 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 and now you're in the next scene. But it tells you everything you need to know. It's yeah. it's incredible. It's incredible filmmaking. Yeah. I didn't go to film school. I'm not a filmmaker. I know montages are important, but I also know they're almost never in this day and age utilized this well, this effectively, or with this level of pop artistry. Yes. A lot of these images from these montages are just great wholesale images that also tell part of a story. Like they tell enough of a story that you know they're part of something. Yeah, no, honestly, a lot of the things that I've seen recently have been like the little splash things of like, oh, we're going to the, to another country, so there's going to be an airplane oh, yeah, the, flying up and the down. Indiana Jones map. Yes, yeah, that's how more stylized ones are, aside from just being like a a like your old seventies sports montages of like, oh, we're showing people doing these things and getting a little bit better and and, and training and whatever. Oh yeah. yeah, but like for the ones that are like adding a little flair to it it's well, usually so, yeah travel montages and also you, know, Allison, you need to thing. update your cultural lexicon a little bit the sports montage was perfected in the 80s oh, okay because that was when we got montage songs ah uh, yeah what's the south park one balls in the air that's not south park that's uh arrested development oh that is arrested development yeah. yes yeah the south park one is you have to have a montage oh it's just about yeah. montages yeah. that's right yeah you're right but that's when sports montages were perfected. Yeah, this changes locations, time, like everything. Right. It jumps forwards, jumps backwards. It's... Right. And it's it's done in a way that's a little less, um, it's not as literal. It's yeah. a lot more suggestive. Yes, evocative. Yes. Yeah, it is. And it's all using imagery of not just Americana and not just entertainment, but like the Americana and entertainment of elvis of that era we see like elvis on tv and it's like to a tube television broadcast you know yeah. like that kind of thing and none of it's practical it's all done with editing and cg and you know all that and whatever yeah. and that's stuff i usually don't like but like if you're gonna do it yeah this is how you should do it you should use these tools to do things you can't do practically right it's done in ways that i don't think are gonna look too dated because a lot of it stays away from doing like CG people puppets and is instead. Oh yeah, no, there's very little yeah. of that, if any. Right. So if anything, it looks kind of set PC. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh, speaking of like interesting directorial things, when because again, this is from Colonel Tom Parker's point of view. When, when Parker is like thinking about being confronted at the casino, and you know, being told like, "Come, the casino owner boss guy wants to talk to you," and him being like. You owe a ton of money. Also, you're not Colonel Tom Parker. Your name is Anders, whatever the fuck. It's shot like it's shot like a nightmare. It really reminds me of Twin Peaks without it aping Twin Peaks. Mm. It's melodramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the guy like turns around in this very like, you know, weirdly like, lit area, menacing mm. way. And yeah, this like dramatic lighting and like things are distorted at the edges of the frame. It's like a sort of they did the same thing in uh, Sabrina, the Netflix Sabrina, where like when. Mm-hmm she would use dark magic like the edges of the frame would always be distorted and out of focus mm-hmm. it's nightmarish and it seems otherworldly and you know and uh, i think it's really interesting again from the point of view of this is tom parker remembering a thing so he remembers this like thing that is upsetting and negative and makes him look bad as being like 
something that happened, you know, uh, uh, in an almost nightmare realm. Like, uh-huh. it's, I, I think that's really interesting. And that effect doesn't really come up too often. It's basically just him in the casino, like, fantasy casino land where he's, like, possibly dying. Like, again, this whole movie might be his dying dream. Yeah. Like, his entire life flashing before his eyes. Yeah. Or it's Elvis's life flashing before his eyes. And it all works. Because we start the movie seeing Elvis when they're sort of dredging him through a bucket to try to, like, wake him up. Yes, and we don't know the context for that. Yes, and then we kind of come back to it later in the movie. But so, like, that's sort of, I think, one of the first times that you see the colonel really no longer operating in Elvis's best interest and solely in his own. Right, and I think he, And I think he recognized, like, I think it's supposed to, yeah, represent guilt. People say that I killed him, and I did not. Yeah. In I fact, only, it was you. It was you. He the loved other, you. That's the the big swing of the third act, is that yeah. he says, like, oh, his, his, his you know, marriage fell apart because Priscilla couldn't compete with the love he felt from you, the audience. Yeah. And what killed Elvis? Was it the pills? Was it me? It was you. Yeah. You demanded too much of him. I'm not... It's, like, such a fascinating psychological character piece wrapped up in an Elvis sure. biopic. Well, and it's a story that we see over and over again with these big stars, drug use, but also to maintain an impossible level of performance Pro- and physical demand. Sure, yeah. yeah. For contrast, like the next time you go to your doctor, just be yeah. like, hey, uh, I've been kind of dragging ass lately. Can you give me something that'll keep me up? Like, uh, I, I really want to like, I need the energy levels I had when I was 20. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you can give me and just see how that goes. Right. But it's, it's hard to do a physical 50 minute show nightly in a leather jumpsuit into your thirties. Like, you know, maybe you can do it for, you know, some time in your twenties, but then you get to a point where physically you're on the downswing. Like you have plenty of people enabling that. I mean, yes, that is the tragedy of this, but it's not just that people are enabling it like just to enable it things but yes it's that everybody wants to keep elvis happy and elvis wants to keep everybody happy and you know so the answer to that is of readily available drugs because yeah. yes you... that is whatever it takes right uh so i mean that's that's the third act of this film is elvis's tragic decline mm-hmm. it's really frustrating to watch because you just keep seeing that elvis was constantly trying to do an international tour yeah he partnered with some guys to do the television special, and that was his like first sort of thing of being like, "Hey, I, you know, Elvis, you could probably control your own career at this point. Yeah, you have good instincts. You know what your fans want. You know what you want to do. You could just do it. You don't have to let Tom Parker call all the shots." Yeah, because apparently this was fairly accurate of how it shook out. Was Famously. that Tom Parker? had it set up that Elvis was going to do a Christmas special. He and some of the producers instead distracted him long enough that they could put together a show that was more like a retrospective and comeback. So Tom Parker wanted it to be a Christmas special, all Christmas shit, all Elvis singing his Christmas songs, which, by the way, I love. They're great. But if you've ever seen the Elvis comeback special, it's fucking incredible. Yeah. And it was... You know, somebody talked to Elvis and was like, well, what the fuck do you want it to be? Yeah. What are you into? And right. he was like, I'm kind of into karate. <laughs> and yeah. they were like, well, let's put that in there. 
Right. And he's like, I'm kind of into whatever the fuck. And they're like, well, we'll put that in there. Let people know who you are now. Yeah, there's a lot of there. Let's cue the Kung Fu Spectacular. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, famously, one of the, I think there's two producers, might have been three, but one of them uh, engaged in a prank war famously with colonel tom parker where they yeah. each had like stakes in it but like he let he the, the producer guy let him believe that oh it's just a, a thing we do for fun like you and me will prank each other and that was the way he they were trying to distract parker the entire time they were filming this thing it was you know an ongoing it was an escalating yeah. series of dares yeah it was to like distract. something that they were filming over yeah. the course of like a week or something they had maybe three hours of footage that they cut down into a 50 minute special yeah 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 they they shot a lot and, yeah 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 but like the idea was like oh you and i will do this you know fun prank war but the whole real reason was to keep tom parker distracted so he wouldn't see they're not doing yeah. the christmas shit to snow the snowman right but yes there's a scene in this where you know he finally gets into the booth and he sees like there's like interpretive dance happening and they're not doing a christmas song and he's like this this, this none of this would be in the special and uh, the one producer guy leans over and says, will you make a note that this will be in the special? Yeah. Which made me laugh uh, yeah. every time. And then the next thing is, all right, cue the whorehouse dancers. And it's, you know, pa- yeah. Parker being like, whorehouse, what? And then it's like, cue the Kung Fu Spectacular. And he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's because it's, it's specifically it, they sold this to Singer, the uh, sewing machine company. Yes. To do like a sponsored thing. Right. And that he'll and... be selling uh, home knitting like mechanisms so that you can make your own sweaters just like Elvis is wearing. Yeah. That was the idea. Yeah. And so one of the singer guys is like, Santa Claus is bringing you a lawsuit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, Which I like, thought was good. It is. <laughs> it's because Tom Parker was putting the cart before the horse yeah. monetarily. He yeah. Was he like, sold oh. something that he didn't yeah. have in hand. Right. And and he wasn't honest with Elvis about this is why we're doing this. Like, right. hey, we're doing this. We get easy money. Which also, I mean, is thematic of the whole reason that yes. he didn't want to do the international tour. He was making it sound like he was afraid of Elvis's safety, secu- yeah, safety and security. Yeah. Which, I mean, was an easy sell because also he had him super drugged out and paranoid. So, like. A, he had him super drugged out. I mean, he. Did he or did Elvis? Like, that's yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, like, okay. But he was, he, we knew, everybody knew he was really drugged out, really paranoid. But also, it was a time of incredible societal upheaval. They sure. show, it's, it's like, they show uh, Parker reading the newspaper about Sharon Tate's murder. Yeah. And he straight up says, like, oh, what's going on in the world? You know, people killing beloved celebrities. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's to put the fear of God in Elvis. I mean, like, oh, if you go to Germany and I can't go with you, I can't keep you safe like I can here. They don't make this connection. But like when he and Priscilla are talking in Germany, she's like, oh, yeah, my parents pointed out that like you had that, you know, you always have girls around you. And there's that picture of you on the bicycle with Natalie Wood, who also had a famous suspicious yep. death. Yes. And so, yeah. There's so much of this, even on just the edges. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it basically is like the world, to quote, <laughs> Allison's already laughing. Sorry, you said the world yeah, that in I my know. brain no, is, is, a, is vamp. a vampire. That's where I was going. Okay. To quote the great okay. William Corgan, the world is a vampire. Okay. All right. We just watched the fucking Black Adam movie and they needle drop that. Oh, and it's the shittiest God. thing ever. Also, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that in the trailer for another rock movie? I don't know. Is he friends with him? Maybe. Does he call up Billy like, hey, Billy, it's me, The Rock. I had to use that fucking bullet butterfly wings drop again. He's like, all right, Rock, no problem. 
I cannot say it enough that I'm a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan. I legitimately am. <laughs> but still funny. Uh, and when, when you have eight, not even eight, when you have four seconds to establish that the world, the modern world sucks, oh, what are we going to play? Oh, I don't know. And then they just go, the world is a vampire. And then it fades out right there. Mm-hmm. And then the movie continues. And you're like, oh, that was your needle drop? You suck at this. No wonder DC had to fucking fold the whole goddamn thing and start over from the oh, yeah. ground up. It's all internal. They just did it to themselves. Yeah. And that's what really hurts. <laughs> Hunter. The radio had said that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, know. What else we want to talk about? I man? don't know. I, there's man. so much in here. I know. Every performance that we get to see is great. We don't honestly don't get enough of them. Honestly, I would probably buy a DVD special that was Austin Butler like performing all these songs. So... That's the thing we should talk about. So he he does a lot of the singing for young Elvis in this. Yeah. Older Elvis, they did a lot of blending him Yeah, kind with, of dubbing it over yeah. or, you know, doing... Um, but he he did that thing of, like, he learned all the mannerisms. and like, Yes. And... Uh, Big time. A, you know, a few weeks ago did Rockstar on the show, and we talked about... Uh, Tina and I talked about how good Mark Wahlberg's um, lip syncing is mm-hmm. in that. Like it, it's not just opening your mouth when their mouth would be open. It's right. like it's lip twitches emoting. And, yeah. and emoting, and your jaw moving, and and it, and it's he does all that stuff here. It's great. It's mm-hmm. like legitimately seamless. Yeah, this is again my favorite one of my favorite movies of the year. It, it's only not my favorite movie of the year because everything everywhere all at once also came out the same year. Right. Like, and like time will tell. Maybe I will change my mind and be like, oh, not as one of those is not as good over time. But like Elvis is fucking. Four, four viewings deep, or what, three or four, and I still think it's like yeah. a perfect film. So to wind this back around to it being a Baz Luhrmann retrospective, I think yeah. he's really, yeah, pulling out a lot of his favorite things and his strategies and, you know, the stuff that he likes to see and likes to do. Yes. And applying it to a topic that absolutely fits in with his, like, larger-than-life yeah. Subject matter. So instead of tackling love, which has always been a through line in all his films, uh, and the interpersonal Well, yeah, scale, he, he, ten- he tends to do a lot of romantic love in a right. lot of his things. And this is a bit of that with his family, but, like, ends up being so much larger because, yeah, it's also about, like, familial love and then also about, like, national love. Well, that sounds like nationalism. Well, okay, not national love, but I mean like... The love like, of fans for right, Elvis? Right, yeah, you right. could just phrase okay. it like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Like the, the, yeah, the the love that a, you know... A fandom has right. for... Yeah. yeah, that like a larger group of people can show, you know, somebody who like is the face of a movement or, you know, an idol or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, not his usual shtick, but absolutely fits in with... Yeah, it's, you know, it's him... His, you know, his tool set. It's him taking a larger, f- further back existential view of like, hey, yeah. what's a thing I like to, you know, what's a thing that I am impassioned about talking about? And it's like yeah. love. Oh, how about on a much larger scale? Also, this is the most maximalist subject I could possibly tackle. It's also almost antithetical to The Great Gatsby because his whole point with that was that it was this guy that had almost no love. Yeah. And then this is a wild, you know, swing in the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, this was like Elvis was so beloved that it was almost a curse. Yeah. It wouldn't have been if not for Colonel Tom Parker, potentially. Yeah. It, it would, I'm not saying yeah. his life would have been sure. perfect. No, yeah. But Colonel Tom Parker built it up into such a thing that, like, Elvis, you know, quickly felt like he couldn't exist in the real world in a, in any way. And it's like mm-hmm. he might have been able to. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, he bought uh, a compound. And, you know, then he lived in a, you know, like Graceland. Like, it's, yeah. it's a gated yeah. fucking thing. Like, yeah. It's not like, oh, it's not like he lived in a place where they had security. Right. Where it's like, oh, but I can come and go. It's like, no, there's a there's a definite us and them, you know, yeah. thing. Yeah. It's not directly addressed, but, like, he has friends in the beginning of the movie. He doesn't really see them in the end of the movie, you know? Yeah. Like, he's, he's hanging out with different people. He's hanging out with B.B. King, and he's, like, going places yes. and doing things and seeing people. And then he somehow gets to a point where that doesn't really happen anymore where he just has like an entourage but it's not like right once he hits vegas he has no he has no it's there's no pressure release valve right like in the movie we see you know he gets in a fight with his mom hops in his car drives down to club handy on beale street beale street yeah Yeah, just to yeah see who's playing and what's going on bb king is there they have a great time uh the guy playing little richard is fucking incredible which we mentioned like but they like you know he talked like he can relate to bb king because bb king is a his like friend b his peer yeah and c knows what he's talking about because he's also a musician right like he's not just like oh I, I grew up with you or whatever but i work at a gas station it's like no i'm also in the music industry yeah and bb king in this gives him very good advice which is like you should start your own label yeah like you should control when you do what you want to do right like and it takes him, you know, a, like way too long to get hip to that. You know, there, there's a callback to it later where after Elvis hooks up with the producers for the special and then, you know, his entourage mm-hmm. and stuff are all like, oh, we're going to do Air Presley. We're going to actually take those gigs in Germany and Japan and all around the world that we keep getting offered that for some reason the colonel turns down and we don't know why. You know, and he goes, yeah, go where I want, play what I want. And if they don't like it, I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. Which is exactly what B.B. King said to me. He says, like, you know who said that to me? B.B. King. They're like, B.B. was right. Mm-hmm. Took you, like, ten years to get to that. There's a scene where uh, I didn't write down. Um, somebody passes away. And they're like, B.B. King's going to be there. The Rolling Stones might be there or whatever. Like, do you want to come? And he's like, oh, the colonel won't let me because this is he's into Vegas now. And Elvis is paranoid because of all the, the pills and also, like, not having a real life like Vegas as a whole like there's no time yeah shit doesn't exist on like a normal schedule so there's no time he doesn't go anywhere there's nothing to do in Vegas there's nothing to socialize with there's no there's no you know all you have to do all the only thing you can do yeah. in Vegas is be in Vegas right. gamble and shit you know right there's no like cultural centers there's right. shows right yeah so there's no real life for him so he's completely alienated from humanity and he's all pilled up so he's really paranoid uh, so, you know, uh, he's like, yeah, the colonel won't let me go. It's not safe. And the, whoever the voice is on the phone is like, you're a man. Like, you're a grown man. Make your own decisions. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, I can't. And he just, like, hangs up. And that's, like, that because that's where he was at. He was, you know, he was too deep in the hole at that point. You yeah. know, and Priscilla had left him. Yeah. And, you know. Which so, that's also yeah. a powerhouse of a scene of her leaving. Yeah. It's, it's Harper. I'm telling you, she's my favorite performance in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. She has like three scenes, and they're all every one of them is dynamite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, like he's a wreck, and yeah, he's self medicating, and nobody knows how to, you know, stop him. He's shooting TVs, which is you know famous. 
Um, probably my favorite montage in the whole film is the 15 cities in 15 days montage. Yeah. I think it's incredibly well done. And it's part of Colonel's, like, I guess, compromising to get yeah. Elvis to stay in Vegas because oh, you he want... needs him to be there for five years. Yes. But can't tell him why. And it's because the Colonel has a bunch of gambling debts and this is part of a little side deal he's doing to get that forgiven. Yes. If he, uh, he signs Elvis over to a contract at the International Hotel mm-hmm. for five years, a million dollars a year. But as long as he keeps showing up, Colonel's debts are forgiven and he has an unlimited line of credit. So he can just keep gambling, which is all he likes to do. He's obviously great at it because of the debts. Yeah. So after the first season, they do this 15 season, 15 days kind of tour so that Colonel pitches it as like, I'll be able to control all the security so you'll be safe, but you'll still get to like stretch your legs around the United States. Right. Yeah. But I think that's like a fantastic uh sequence yeah um and at the end of it colonel's like i also i kept you know my word i brought the world to him he does the first uh satellite Satellite. concert which he says is like 1.5 billion people watched it yeah around the world which is like incredible yeah that's the then is the scene that priscilla leaves and then literally the next like the establishing shot for the next scene is the international hotel and says elvis's fourth great year (laughs) it's like i don't think it's a great one (laughs) yeah he's not having a great time and that's where the after show banter gets real, which is where in my notes I have the Rick and Morty reference, which is when Rick makes himself into Tiny Rick and he does this dance and it's, let me out, let me out. This is not a dance. Oh, yeah. I'm begging I'm, for help. I'm, I'm screaming, screaming for, for help. help. Please let me out. Because, like, yeah, he's like, you know, oh, yeah, over there is the colonel and he's an alien. He's and abducted like, ah, me ha, 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 ha. and put me in this golden cage. There's someone to call the FBI. And, yeah. Yeah. And, right. like, yeah, it's it's. And it's like, oh, you're like, oh, he's doing like a bit. He's doing a bit. He's doing subtext. Yeah. Because like he has just found out that the colonel is not who he says he is. Yeah. And he also then passed out from exhaustion backstage and they gave him a shot of adrenaline and they put his face in an ice bucket, which, by the way, mimics the shot in Romeo and Juliet with uh, Romeo's face in the water. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's Elvis's face with the, the cross like yeah. on the camera lens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which is a, a Boz move. It's fun. Yeah. And so he does that, and he gets up when he goes on stage, and he's like, performing. Yeah, but he does, like, the colonel is an alien. Yeah. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. And he's like, he's abducted me. He's keeping me in this gilded cage. And then it, it, it quickly descends into, like... He's drinking, uh... Oh, he just picks up somebody's, somebody's wine. Table. Yeah, he just drinks yeah. a whole glass of wine. Yeah. Like, and the colonel's kind of like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> and then quickly devolves into him being like... This old yeah. fucking piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> You're fired. You're fired. Yeah. And they're like lowering the thing. He's like, security, yeah. security. They're lowering the yeah. curtain. He's yeah. like, You're fired. Yeah. And it's fucking wild. Yes. He, but like, yeah. dude, Butler's great. That performance is great. He's like, you know, you're fired. He's like yelling on the microphone. And then he just lowers the mic. He's like, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking good. And like fucking sad. Oh, shit. It's incredible. Carl's move with that was to be like, okay, but then sends him an itemized list of uh, all the money that his LLC or whatever has forwarded Presley Enterprises. Right. And so all the profits he's been making forever have not gone to recouping his expenses. Yeah. So now all his expenses for Elvis Presley's entire career, including gas money for their first tour. Yeah. Dollar 20. Dollar 20. Uh, is on this list, and it's eight million dollars in nineteen seventy whatever. So eight point five. Yeah. So yeah. His, his dad, who is still in charge of you know Elvis Presley Limited or whatever, is like, 
we're broke. Like, we have nothing. He's going to take Graceland. Yeah. And I was like, how is that possible? And he's like, you keep buying cars and that plane and stuff. And Elvis's defense. Oh, yeah. He had no idea. And he's like, you yeah, were supposed thought, to be handling finances. Right. He and thought this was all had... profit. Yes. Right. Yeah. He thought these were his profits. Yes. I'm sure. Yeah. No, you're not originally, maybe not right off the bat. But at some point, once he knew he didn't want to work with the colonel anymore, yeah. he would have been like, oh, hey, we should pay these debts back so that we can get out from under the colonel. Yeah. He calls him a vampire. Yeah. Vampire and a toad. And calls all him a toad. Yeah. Honestly, that's like their most touching scene. Yeah. Is because he tells him, it's that in the romantic scene on the Ferris wheel, because he tells him, he's like, your cousins, they all live off of you. I live off of you, too. He's like, I'm a parasite, but I think you and I benefit each other. And, like, you see that they, because he goes, I'm you and you are me. Mm-hmm. And we are all together, like we talked yeah. about the Beatles. Elvis is kind of like, yeah, it's true, and I hate that it's true. Yeah. And he also, he loves the colonel. He's lo- You know, he's known him his entire adult life. Yeah. And he trusted and him his entire adult life until now. When his mother dies, you have this scene where the colonel's yeah. like, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be the one staying at home worrying while you're yeah, it's right doing after your military drafted. service. Yeah. yeah. And basically like take over this emotional burden that your mom's not here to do anymore. Right. Because even his father, you know, and this is like, he trusted her like he trusts nobody else. And, you know, he's like, but he trusts you to the colonel. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, don't trust me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some of the, a lot of this is probably like, yeah, very like suppositional yes, and stylized. But yeah. that being said, you know, to What's have somebody like that in your life that long, there's some level that, yeah, yeah, you have that kind of a connection with them. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, again, this is A, a movie. Yeah. And B, it's told from a character in the movie's perspective. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's all skewed. Yeah. So all, that's what, that was my thing. Yeah, like all, again, biopic, not documentary. Right. And all the, you know, criticisms of like inaccuracy, it's like, well, there's a, there's a reason. There's many reasons for that. Some of them are f- fourth dimensional, the, you know, like, and some of them are within the narrative of the film itself. Like, yeah. so I don't know why you're mad. The, the, you know, Elvis is like, well, I guess we, I still got to fucking stay and work for the colonel. And then his health takes a drastic decline. And then we get like, you know, voiceover news stuff talking about like, uh, when he's not, you know, and it's, it's very derisive. Elvis became like a joke kind of, you know, and they're like, oh, when he's not touting out his terrible, you know, all his old songs, he stays locked in his room, you know, menaced by his expanding waistline, whatever. Yeah. Because, um, you know, empathy's new. We just found out about it recently. Well, and there's a certain level of, I guess, schadenfreude with uh, somebody who was sex symbol becoming less desirable. Sure. Yeah. But, like, that doesn't and make, that that, doesn't like make had... that, like, less shitty to do to somebody, you know? No, I'm it's just like, saying, like, that's, yeah. Well, we just watched the from. Call Me Miss Cleo documentary. Yeah. And the, the pure joy every single one of these newscaster motherfuckers got in being like, uh, Miss Cleo should have seen this coming. The FBI is uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And all of them. Anderson fucking Cooper. You yeah. know, like, respected fucking, you know, hoity-toity, I take myself seriously, I'm a serious right. journalist, Anderson Cooper, is like, oh, I guess you didn't see that coming now. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. No, yeah, it's a sincere lack of empathy. Basically be, yeah, kicking somebody when they're down like that. Yeah, it's it's seeing somebody that got something a little easier than you. Yeah. And being like, well, I hate them for it. Yeah. <laughs> They're not working as hard as me. And it's like, okay, so who's more of the fool now? Yeah. Any Anytime I have somebody that, like, I'm like, I just don't like them. I'm always, like, trying to check myself of, like, are you sure that's not jealousy? Yeah. 
I don't remember at some point in my life I, I you know heard the axiom that like the thing you don't like in people is stuff you don't like about yourself. So anytime I'm like, boy, this guy really bothers me or whatever, I'm always like, what is it about them? And I try to be like, is it is that something I don't like about me? And like sometimes it is. Sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah. that's also something I recognize in myself. Like, yeah. oh, they're lazy. Well, that's that's. I think that that's cutting it a little. I don't know. Like, oh, do you mean all of human psychology can't be boiled down to that one sentence? Right. Well, because yeah, because sometimes it's that. Oh no, you remind me of a very bad time I had with somebody who was very bad. <laughs> like right. So all of human psychology right. can't be boiled down okay. to that one sentence. Yep. Is what you're yeah. Saying. Okay. But yeah. Turns out as an axiom. Yeah. Sure. It's, oh yeah, it sure does a lot of work. It's it's worth exploring mentally. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is I do can, that. Yeah, yeah. And then occasionally I go, no, yeah. that guy's perfectly fine. They just rub me the wrong way. Yeah. Sometimes it's just where you land with people. Yeah, and just as an axiom, like that's I think there was a lot of that with Elvis. He was somebody who ha- literally had it all. There was never there was no one with that level of celebrity in America before that. It's not like oh he was the first one in a while. Or right. he was the first one since blank. There yeah. was nobody. Yeah. Nobody was Elvis before Elvis. Yeah. Now, it's like, oh, well, Elvis's records only sold gold. And now people are selling diamond or platinum or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're still not Elvis. No one will ever be that. But there was literally no one like that before him. Yeah. So people were like, he's got everything. Mm-hmm. He must be living it up. And it's like, yeah. And for a while, he probably was. But towards the end of his life like he definitely wasn't and and you know the movie does a great job of not over dramatizing that but also not you know overlooking it right i don't know i I, like legitimately i think this is like damn close to a perfect movie and a perfect example of like filmmaking and what you can do in the milieu of film sure yeah all right so you want to vote yeah all right it's a great watch yes do you agree i also think it is a great watch (sighs) good I don't know if we had any... Well, I guess you didn't really care for um, Moulin Rouge, but... Yeah. In general, Boz doesn't really miss very much. No, Moulin Rouge is by far my least favorite. Yeah. Um, I forget what my ranking is. I remember that if... Whether I'm allowed to count the different story halves of Australia as different movies changes my ranking, but... Yeah. um, Yeah, Australia was kind of a swing, and I don't know how successful that was but no, i mean like go back you know. and listen to the episode like yeah. i i don't love it but there's stuff in it that i think is great oh yeah and i, I like i love romeo and juliet i ended up loving great gatsby you know yeah. i love this uh yeah no this is a great movie this is maybe boz's best i am like so excited for to see whatever he does next yeah and, you well, know I he's think... pretty regular with films he does something like every four-ish yeah. years mm-hmm. um i checked i checked imdb while we were f- wrapping up here and to see if anything was the only thing he's got coming mm-hmm. is the far away downs oh yep series which is we mentioned this i think before but they're taking australia the film and editing it down and 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 like i guess re-editing <laughs> yeah it. fiddling with it to make it a mini to make it a mini series <laughs> yeah which might make it work differently yeah you know it's it's yeah and i think that's fascinating i don't know if he's reshooting anything for it or you know i i I can't imagine he's getting the same cast back although it's not impossible but um i don't know if he i mean people do seem to like to work with him yeah he gets a lot of the same people back so yeah and like yeah i i so i'm very interested to see what that ends up being um i don't know where that's going to land yeah Uh, what like i mean like what network or streaming service is it hulu it's hulu oh yeah that's great we have that yeah (laughs) Because I was afraid you were going to say Showtime. No. We do not. 
But yeah, that's the only thing in his upcoming, you know, ah, tab okay. on IMDb. So I, I have no idea. Um, I mean, to be fair, I didn't even hear about Elvis until about like about a year before the film came out. So yeah. but yeah, I, I think... can't wait to see whatever he's got next. I, I, you know, I think we talked about this last time we were discussing Boz Lerman. I think he's just tightening up his strategies, you know, has a much more like refined like yes i agree with refined tightening up i might not agree with the phrasing okay but But yeah but like where like this is not a tight movie no no it's it's in crack in fact incredibly loose and grand in scope like it's not but i mean again like i I did mention that like instead of relying on like you know fast paced um cuts and things we're instead doing these almost like mosaics of languid languid scene changes and yes things. like yeah because so many things are happening all at once it, right it doesn't feel fast it feels like you're right. watching time move quickly like, yes even though time goes by so slowly wow wow <laughs> and time can do so much wow yeah that's the as we mentioned that's the final performance elvis gave that's how he ended the show with uh, unchained melody unchained melody it's fucking great Apparently, that's what Austin Butler auditioned with. Yeah. And it was like him revisiting his feelings about the death of his mother. Yeah. He, he and Elvis, they're, they're both, they're, their mothers both passed away at the same age. Uh, his, you know, he was 23, I think. So, yeah, he apparently, I read this in the IMDb trivia before we recorded, but like he apparently had a nightmare and woke up and was thinking about that and was like, oh, and he had recorded singing another song an elvis song and was like it didn't feel like a performance it felt like an impersonation an elvis impersonation he's like mm-hmm. but then i thought about instead of singing that song as a romantic song singing it like to you know like the the idea of like singing about my mother so he sat down with the piano and recorded himself singing that and apparently bosler was like i don't know what this is i don't know if it's an audition or if he's having a breakdown but i'm fascinated and he wanted to have a meeting with him, and Austin Butler got the fucking part. Like, yeah. So like, he clearly tapped into something. Mm-hmm. We're recording this. I don't know when this will. I don't know when the fucking Oscars are because I don't care. But, <laughs> um, okay. but like, I really hope this wins uh, something. A lot of people, a lot of awards. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of good movies last year. There were. And yeah. we're still checking out a bunch of stuff from the from you know the the from twenty twenty two that we missed. Yeah. But like, boy, this better win some stuff because it's 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 filmmaking. Yeah. It's doing shit that you can only do in film. A lot of the other stuff in movies you could do in a different medium medium. And you can't really do this in anything but film. It's incredible. Holy shit. So that's our show. (laughs) And with me saying holy shit. Yep. Thanks to everybody for listening to any of our episodes for the past 100 honestly thanks to everybody that has taken time out of their life to watch a dumb movie either with us or to talk about it on the show or because we were going to talk about it on the show yeah you know if you're like oh they're covering this movie i'll watch it and then i'll listen to their episode thank you we we have tried to be pretty upfront if there were movies you shouldn't have watched (laughs) yeah we try not to (laughs) fuck up your time too much yeah thanks to movie john for always hosting and posting our episodes and yeah uh thanks to everybody that like sincerely thank you to everybody that likes any of our posts and shares them yeah comments on them, like any interaction because of the way social media is fucking aggregated like if you don't 
talk to us on social media, uh, talk on our posts about the, then nobody fucking sees them and it comes and goes and, and it sucks because like, I, I know that people out there might like us. There are people out there that would like the show. Uh, and I just hope that, that, that they get the chance to find us. Yeah. Um, you know, cause like, yeah, we're not celebrities. We don't have celebrity guests. Uh, you know, like we're not, we can't buy your affection. We just hope you're entertained. Yes. Yeah, 100 episodes. It simultaneously doesn't seem like it. It seems like we should have put out way more. It's been fun. It's going to keep going. We're still doing it. I don't know. We've never missed a drop date every other Wednesday. We've never missed it. But, you know, if we do, it's whatever. I'm yeah. still going to try not to. I mean, that's the other cool thing about picking such random fucking movies is that we're probably going to talk about something that you're interested in. And also, if we, if you're like, oh, why don't they ever talk about blank? We literally give you our email address every yeah. single episode. Yeah. Is there a movie you're dying to hear us talk, us talk about, about or just like that you think more people should watch because right. we'll help get that message out? Yeah. Is there somebody that you're like, oh, that's my favorite guest or like, hey, don't you guys know blank? Can't you have them on the show? Like, I don't know. Email us. Ask us. I don't, I don't know. Again, two people emailed us within a week and were like, hey, would you consider doing an episode on Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs? And I immediately was like... I'll make some calls. Like I, I wanted to have Will on yeah. for a minute to do another episode, just in general. Yeah. But honestly, it was probably going to be another mountain climbing episode because. Yeah, we didn't do vertical limit. We yet. We haven't done vertical limit yet. I think there's another one <laughs> that I have that it I. It was bought. also uh, 27 hours. It's, it's 127, 127 hours. hours. The, the joke, it's I think. It's a callback. Yeah, I don't remember what episode that is, but Allison definitely thought that movie was called 27 Hours. I, so again, in Allison's mind, he was stuck there for just over a day and was like, that's it, I'm cutting my arm off. He got hangry. <laughs> yeah, I guess he did. If you want to actually reach out to us, you can yep. write us at W-R-I-T-E-H-W-G-W at gmail.com. Yep, that's, that's right. Hey, watch Great Watch. Yep. We have a link tree. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash H-W-G-W. That'll get you to all the social medias and websites that we are on. I don't know if I can add a email us thing on there. I might be able to. Yeah, I, I we'll don't. I haven't that. looked in a link tree enough, but it, it links directly to our movie John page. Mm-hmm. And then it's got a widget where you can choose to listen to it on Spotify or iTunes or all other shit, like all right there. And then it's got Twitter. It's got Instagram. It's a new frontier for me to be handling. So I'm still figuring out ways to utilize it in the best uh, manner. So. Um, but yeah, Linktree is the most direct route. Um, but you can still get us every other Wednesday. That's every, every other, other Wednesday, Wednesday on moviejohn.com. That's moviejawn.com. And uh, patreon.com slash moviejohn. Consider donating because that helps us and all the other Movie John shows and writers and creatives uh, keep on writing and creating and making podcasts. It certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, eventually we could be $8.5 million in debt <laughs> to, to a Danish man who will be Dutch. Made... <laughs> Are we even sure, though? How wrong could I possibly be? Yeah, I don't know. He could be See, double Dutch. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> uh, that's it. We're out of here. <laughs> anyway, right. thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
I'm not returning my hat to Sears. This hat makes my head look good. My head usually looks bad. (laughs) (laughs) This hat's really holding it all together. (sighs) This has been a Movie John podcast. (laughs) 